Welcome to the J3 University Podcast. Each week, we bridge the gap between science and in-the-trench experience for physique enhancement. I'm your host, John Jewett. Let class begin. Hello, everybody. Welcome to J3U Podcast. With me is Luke Miller. And we are going to hit the 2022 Olympia. It's been a few weeks now, but rightly so, for the biggest bodybuilding show in the world. We need to talk about this, and we haven't got a chance to yet. Yeah, I think it's uh, probably one of the most exciting Olympias I've watched in a long time. Um, a lot of surprises, which I think we'll, we'll touch on quite a bit of those today. But, man... Uh, what did you think of the lineup? Do you want to start open down or do you want to, how many classes do you want to touch today? I, I'm, I would, I could just talk about open. <laughs> or, <laughs> I know, um, I know. Yeah, there's, I know, right? I would think that's, yeah, um, maybe just open because that w- the main things we want to get into are like issues we saw too. And just not just issues, like not to, not to pick on these guys at all because these are issues that we all face and things to try to resolve um, and, and work on. So this is still like Luke and I have to like, we're, we segue this into education somehow, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, yeah, I think, uh, we, we still see these issues occur even in, even at the top level, they happen. Like, uh, we try we strive for perfection, but we still have shortcomings that, that you are unexpected sometimes. And yeah. especially at that, at this level where you're trying to pull out everything that you can, like, it, it, you might roll the dice too much and it's just uh, swings you to the left and you, you miss the mark. So, but yeah. yeah, I think, uh, I think starting on, on open would be, yeah, would be a good one. Um, as far as the, you know, the, the surprise I think was, was Rami, you know, with, uh, with, with being a previous Mr. Olympia, like the expectation, you're, the, the bar is as high as it could possibly be that you're yeah. going to come at, at Mr. Olympia level and it, it's, it wasn't there, right? And that's the judges, you know, pushed him back to fifth place. Yeah, I think, I think this comes back. And the, the first thing that comes to my mind when I, when I saw that start to happen is Obviously, I don't know what happened behind the scenes, but you see the picture surface from like a week out and it's like, did things get over overcomplicated is the question I ask, right? Because if you can walk, wake up in the morning, walk to the locker room and take pictures that look like that. And I would imagine post-workouts not looking too far different as in probably just a little bit fuller version of those fasted photos from a week out. It's like, you could have literally almost walked on stage looking like that and been an improved package from what was presented on show day. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I like hesitate because I realize sometimes like there's a the, lot of speculation in that, right? Yeah. Or like the IG photos could always be deceiving True, uh, with sure. like gym locker room and pump up and like, almost finding the perfect conditions and perfect poses to be able to show them. Cause we saw a lot of Rami's like most muscular shots with like shorts on. Right. Um, not, not a lot of those, the rear shots, not a lot of the leg shots, which is what, you know, was kind of where he was getting docked a bit, but, but nonetheless, like, yeah, I, I agree with your point. Like looking off those picks, the expectation was that he was going to be in just as good a condition as he was, 
um, in I think 2020 is when they like really, really nailed it. And that was the expectation. So you think like, yeah, maybe something did go, go off like the, the last day or so. Um, you know, there was, I think other issues besides just the peak, but potentially that, that was it. I kind of wondered, I I remember hearing Chad talking about Rami and how he was going to be like so much bigger this year. And if, if they like tried to pull, like, let's make sure you're like bigger than ever. And that was it. Like we see him like looking way spilled over, but he did, he didn't look like exploding full either. So no, if anything, it was maybe like a slightly flatter version of Rami. Yeah, I think, I think one of the things that hurt him too is someone like um, Samson standing next to him in the initial callouts, where you have a new guy in the lineup who holds his own so well in every shot. It's like, man, how does that already pull back Rami before you're even in the first call out comparisons, right? Yeah, Samson's probably one of the most comparable guys to Rami that in, in just stature frame and just you know, o- overall size uh, and, and bravo to Samson. Like, man, what a dark horse at the Olympia to like come out and, and have that placings. I know. Um, pretty, pretty cool to see. It's always cool to see like new guys that uh, just kind of come out and really make their mark. But yeah, agree. Right. So having him next to Rami, it's, it's a uh, more of a, a good comparison with someone that's that, that big. And you can really expose someone like, like Rami, if you don't have it all, it all pieced together for that, that one exactly. year. Yeah. And I think, I think also too, like the second surprise for me from a, a good perspective was Derek, like making the jump from two twelve to open from a size perspective, man, he looked right, right. Like he belonged in that lineup and it was a really, really impressive showing for him absolutely that was exciting and just to be a little biased for being a 212 guy you know I, yeah <laughs> i'm uh i i root for hadi and derek because they were both like previous 212s i'm like yeah you know <laughs> it's like the david versus goliath kind of thing um but yeah derek derek looked phenomenal um he, he is just such an awesome shape and structure that's <laughs> Just like it's gonna be hard for anyone to really to really hang, I think especially once he has like the maybe a little bit more size, like he hasn't really even had a, a full on off season, and then you know comparable to Hottie, it looks like Hottie was had a little bit more quad and was harder in the front shots. You yep. could make a case Derek was probably harder in, in the back shots. Um, absolutely think the the right judging call was made but i mean for your first outing in the open man to to be to be second which a very cool thing is that that might be the the closest idea of what we ever saw with like flex lewis going to the open right yeah it, it, i like it, that. In, in, in a way in a way like uh derek his first olympia was second to flex lewis um, that now that's probably not Derek at his absolute best. Like winning the two twelve is is the best probably version of Derek at two twelve, right? Right. Um, but but nonetheless, like man, if we saw Flex move to the open, like that, it might have been something like that, which is interesting. But 
doesn't really matter because it didn't happen. But right, yeah, it's it's crazy to think though, too, right? And I think when you look at the lineup and like where people got shuffled and kind of what happened with some of the people that were top five last year, I think what hurt a lot of people is having Derek in that lineup who carried both shape and conditioning and wasn't too far behind in because a lot of the people who did really well in previous years just really excelled in one or the other as far as like shape or conditioning um, from a muscularity standpoint, it's hard to hang with someone like Rami, but I think that's where you see a lot of those people fall back is like you have this balance of a physique that we honestly probably haven't seen too much in the open presented where they've typically gone rather muscularity over the last few years or very shape driven in 19 with Brandon. It's like now we're starting to get that package that's balanced across all, all borders. Cause like, I mean, I don't, I don't really care what you say, like from all the shots for hottie as well, from a shape perspective, like he's got some beautiful shots, like from a symmetry and physique and a flow, like, yeah, he's extremely muscular and he's really hard and, and gnarly, but I think he hangs with some of the best from a flow perspective as well. Oh yeah. I absolutely agree. Like seeing him and Derek, like standing next to each other, they're very comparable. Like, for, for one in height, but even their structures, like they have similarities of flow and symmetry that, that compare and hit and why they were first and second place. Right. Uh, it just comes down to like, yeah, the, the little details of shot by shot who wins each one and, and hottie, I, I don't think he like absolutely sealed it on every single pose, but he did plenty to make it happen, which, uh, yeah, both both those guys have it all put together. I think, you know, you're right. In previous years, like when you're judging, it is just who checks most of the boxes the best. And if you have one that weighs in a little bit more, that factors into it. So, I mean, I think like Phil is probably one of the ones that filled a lot of those boxes. Um, the best. In shape, symmetry, structure, like roundness, muscularity. Like it, it was condition like all of it was really there that's why you know you have a reigning mr olympia he was that good but you see a lot of those qualities in Derek too that that could be someone that could just be a reigning mr olympia in my mind like um when it's when he's fully complete because he's he's not he's still young and has so much so much improvement that he has the potential to to make here last last like fan base question before we get into issues because we're fans of the sport as much as we educate and do it ourselves, right? Um, would be like favorite placing as in like the one you were most excited to see, which I would imagine kind of already covered, but also potentially biggest disappointment as in like, you know, someone's capable of more than what they presented. Yeah. Um, I think the moat, you know, I, I did like seeing Derek up there. But honestly, I was really excited for for Hottie, and yeah. I, I think that was the the placing that has, yeah, the most excitement for me, um, and especially like, not not a surprise either, just because Hottie like pretty much delivers every year. He's relatively pretty consistent, and 
what got me like even after the fact is like seeing him come to his home country, you know, in, yeah. in Iran and like, Oh my, Oh wow. Like <laughs> it the was response. insane at their, at their airport. Like, just crowds of people. Can you imagine doing a bodybuilding show and having crowds of people in your airport? I, yeah, it's just, that's just not a thing. Like, so imagine like in his country, like that, he is like the, the biggest deal there. Like someone from Iran going to the U S and winning like the biggest bodybuilding competition. Like you're a rock star over there, but also to hear like how, how humble and just grateful Hadi is to be able to be in this position and, and doing something that he loves, um, even with like all that, you know, f- fan base around him, like he still has that attitude and it makes you just want to be a, a fan for him because he does represent himself as, as a, as a humble champion. So I was really happy to see it for Hadi and it was earned and deserved. Right. Disappointment. Disappointment. Um, well, I, you know, I, uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan, so it's not, not like a dig at all, but, um, I, I was a little disappointed with, uh, Hunter yeah, and not just because I, I know what he, I know what he could potentially do. And, and I, I know he, he was in the postings leading up to Olympia, like, he looked like he had quite a bit of size added, which would be a, a vast improvement. You know, for the last year, it looks like he had potentially made improvements on his back, and it just looked like um, maybe they had a little bit more body fat to come down or something with the peaking process. You know, I don't have the you know look into the behind the door, but right, uh, I, I think like the the potential for Hunter to be up higher is absolutely mm. there. Which uh, yeah. you know that's a that's a still an encouraging thing. I I don't worry. I totally get like having an Olympia showing that's not like your absolute best, <laughs> and like the weight of that, and always wanted to to like show like prove to yourself like hey I I and everyone else like you have more in you absolutely, and I'm sure he will, but I, yeah I was uh, hoping to see a bit more delivered from him, and then also there was there was two more to um, a, a Bonic, ah. I didn't see a lot out of Bonic. Like there was some pictures that were posted and you're like, whoa, like this was impressive at the Arnold, you know, he was impressive. And so it's like, well, Bonic's been up there in it before. And he, he just, uh, I think you just have too many guys that are just the, the, the new guard coming through, you yeah. know, um, they're just that good as well. Yeah. Um, do you, do you have any that stand out as like a kind of a letdown? I think I think my 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 biggest happy surprise was Hottie for the same reasons you kind of listed, right? I think I've always been a fan of his physique. I I tend my eye leans towards conditioning, so like seeing him on stage, my eye gets drawn to him a lot. Um, but from a disappointment, um, and this again, this these are not digs. It's it's actually like the fact that I'm big fans of these this physique, and I I I saw visuals that surprised me was probably Ian. Okay. Yeah. Just because of some of the visuals where leading in like a week out, two weeks out, you're like, man, there's, there's the potential to make the jump up a couple placings. If he really pulls this together well. And I know he, he's talked about like some of the, the mistakes made towards the end Yeah, where, you know, he, he nails that 
with the visuals that he knows he's capable of, man, is he in that call out with Samson and like Hunter in that like pullback where they brought Samson back and they kind of compared him to Hunter and that little group and Andrew and that group of like sixth through ninth. It's like, man, you see Ian right in the mix there and staying close to center potentially with some of the shots he wins because maybe potentially other than like a back lat spread, like the first four shots are deadly for him. Like front lat spread, front doubles pretty good, side chest, and then depending on where they call the side try, right? But that's like four really deadly shots for him as a, as a bodybuilder where it's like, Man, like how much does he push those guys in those in those shots if he's nailed it? Yeah, I mean he's he's hyper muscular, and then the condition level he can be super grainy. Yeah, it's uh, it's yeah. You're, I mean, but the, we it, 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 Ian states to himself like those are his weaker shots, those are like the back shots, and the same same goes for for Hunter, right? Like, and you look at those top guys, and they're like they have phenomenal backs. Uh, so that's uh that's one to have to keep piecing together. But I think you're right. Like when he's nailed on, like he could, he could have definitely potentially scooted up a bit higher. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then also to uh, Hunter and, and I've already talked to Hunter a little bit on this. Like he knows what he's capable of and it's, it's not a keep your head down in the dirt. It's a time to show him type of a mentality. So it's like, I'm just excited for him next year because I know he's coming back with a, a vengeance that he's that he's going to be ready for. Yeah, um, I think also it was Andrew Jack is uh, is one that's still like really impressive just from a just a large human. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I th- I think he just I know he was supposed to be like you know they're they're hyping him up and talking like they're going to bring the condition and I, I don't I don't know if it really improved since his uh you know other shows that he did so um not really a disappointment i i, I wouldn't say that at all because this is like his olympia debut <laughs> so he's so, olympia and so i mean eight. there there's like <laughs> almost no expectation there it's just like you set the bar then you go from there but i i think he's uh he was just a standout of like just an impressive bodybuilder um yeah from just absolutely just, just a, someone that tall and still has the symmetry and, and, and nice structure uh, is, is pretty impressive. But anyway, we should probably dive into, uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> mistakes. Yeah. I was going to say mistakes. Cause like Andrew is like a, a, an example of where like I got to see him in person in Texas, right at the Texas pro and the visuals, as soon as he walked out, I think that's probably the best he was all year. Um, obviously like might be the differential in seeing him in person relative to photos or, or live stream or whatever, but there was just like that initial walkout pop with like the glaze being so perfect and like the fullness and the roundness. And he just hits that like midsection and then pulls up into his frame. It's like so wild to see. And, um, I think one of the ones that we wanted to talk about was like, fluid manipulation, sodium manipulation towards the end, flatness, nailing that look and kind of the differentials between showings for people and kind of what that looks like. And um, while I think for Andrew, some of the posterior chain conditioning is muscle development. The dude has a ton of muscle, but with more tissue, he'll be able to present conditioning from the rear that matches the front. 
Um, I do think that that their best peak was Texas. And I think you could potentially say that for a couple of people on that stage that day of like, there were some mistakes made with some of the fluid sodium manipulations towards the end. Yeah. I mean, but before we even get to peak week, right, it's about getting all the fat off, but uh, yeah, but within that too, it's, it's, it's the balance um, of, of how conditioned do you need to come in? Because you have guys that aren't, that aren't stripped down, peeled that are still like up in the top five, but you have guys that were, you know, back of the pack, still extremely conditioned, like, um, like Charles Griffin. He, he, he was peeled. Like he was extremely conditioned, um, but back of the pack for other reasons, right? Uh, Nick Walker still has like excellent condition. He's, he's very grainy um, and he's placed for other reasons, but that was one factor that he brings. So it, it is one factor about condition, but you have to be able to balance that out with muscularity. And even from like my own, my own chasing of condition, it's easy to let you, you sacrifice other body parts in fullness and the overall look might not be the best that you present. So some of these guys are, are really good at balancing it. Like how much to really pull down before you, you lose um, what you're building the off season, but also some don't take it far enough. And it may, maybe it was just, you know, trying to balance that and thinking you're ready until you're staying up there. You're like, oh shit, everyone came harder this this year, um, or it was just a, a mis- miscalculation along the way. So I think like, hey, get, getting all the fat off is is the essential piece here. Um, and then would you say like walking into peak week, like maybe there's some assumption that oh yeah, this is water, and I'm, I'll we'll take care of this. <laughs> yeah, I think I think my line of logic there with bringing that up is. I kind of wanted to start it with the the timeline that is mapped for prep should lead you to understanding where the variables need to be on show day. Um, my best peaks from this year were the ones where I got to at least practice one peak um, before stepping on stage. And I'm not saying like run a full on mock peak week, but like lean enough early enough where I could run three three days of loading and it not be an issue and kind of run that gamut of fullness relative to flatness and find my favorite visual a little bit further out and then bring them back down. And sometimes I wonder if no matter where you're at with that condition relative to fullness metric, right, of how far do I take this prep, I think if you plan far enough ahead with the the timeline and, and that setup, the variables for managing a peak, a peak become infinitely easier because it's a lot more predictable, which is where like bringing that peak week fluid sodium manipulation up. It's like, man, all of this starts with how you map that prep out. Yeah, I, that's that's a tough one because a lot of guys aren't going to be potentially in that position to do it, which it's like, OK, you weren't let's make sure at least next time that you are and put those weeks planning in advance. So I think that is the tough one when you, you have a one show and that's it. Like if you're only prepping for the Olympia It's you don't have, you have zero weeks to spare. So program in the extra weeks just to have the buffer there. Uh, but that's still not to say like guys that had multiple shows for the year, they still miss the mark, you know, at the Olympia 
couple problems there is like for one the the shows aren't that close. Uh, you have guys qualify like middle of the year and you have to go then to Olympia. Like you're going to have to bring your body weight up. So you're kind of in the same position. Like you have to come back down and maybe you still like run out of time. Right. So, um, and it can all vary a little bit. Like these guys are still improving throughout the year. So the peaks vary like staying leaner throughout the year. It, it makes it more impactful for a physique to like peak again, but you're absolutely right. Like trying to be ready early enough to do, some type of practice run mm. is extremely important. Um, if not, just know you like found the condition mark earlier and be able to just eat, eat a little bit up into the show. Even if you don't run a full on mock, you know, mock, mock peak of, of loading someone, it'd be, it'd be nice to, I think it's a, a easy way to like drop off fatigue, like get someone really fresh and then just pull them back down and like maintenance. Right. Um, couple issues I know well, like loose open it doesn't matter but like weight class divisions like that might be a consideration if it's getting a little too close they load someone hard they like have to like pull all this glycogen weight back down it, it could take a little bit of time but um yeah um but bringing that back like to to how do we nail it with these guys right like how do how do these variables end up being consistently throughout the day and I think this may be something we can both walk through and how I've ran this on a couple of different peaks and how I know you ran it the last time you competed was like running those days into the show, similar to how that show is going to be ran, which I think for the Olympia is one aspect where it's like practice, like you play, like those dudes weren't on stage until I think it was like 2 AM my time, which out there would be like midnight or 1130. It's like, how often are you staying up and trying to hold a visual until 1130 midnight, right? Never. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's one of those aspects of peak week where it's like, man, I, if I have an athlete competing in an odd time, I'm like, if, as long as the schedule is flexible enough to do it, I'm, I'm moving their schedule around to simulate that, that peak week or that show day as much as I can. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. It's just finding finding the best look throughout peak week with how many meals in, how much fluid in to bring that, like that level of fullness without the sacrifice to condition. And once you have that, you have a rough idea of like, Hey, body weight going out on stage and trying to make sure you bring in a food and fluid up that show day to hold that and then carry it into the show. But that is the huge problem is that if you're going in at 11 p.m., like most guys are not at their best at 11 p.m., it's going to be like a couple meals in or something. So you 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 do relatively have to feed them up and hold them for a bit with lower fluids and with lower food amounts um, and just maintain that, which is it can be a challenge to do that over over two days. Yeah, um, absolutely. So. I think that, but, sh but that is the, the issue. I think a lot of guys will go into these, these show days. Like you wake up, you're like, all right, I'm going to go on 11 PM. And, and that kind of plan isn't there. It's still like kind of seat your pants, like making adjustments. And, um, I think it's easy to let it get away from you, especially when you're watching it meal by meal. You, you think you might be more accurate meal by meal, but I, I think you can even like, 
it, you you forget even what it looked like you know three meals ago four meals ago and you're like yeah this is better and then even in hotels like the lighting's changing and things like that unless you're like you know there in person extremely consistent um but yeah i think it, it could be easy to let it get away from you to where you're not going on stage at your your absolute best um, yeah that's why i do like the scale i think it is a. Uh, I think it's a good tool to have, you know, of course, go off the visuals, but if you've been correlating that scale weight all week long with your visuals, then it could be a little bit more of an accurate tool to go with. So you don't have some guy going on like five pounds heavier or lighter than what you really were were seeing the best look because that is not going to shift that much throughout like a day by day basis once someone is really conditioned. Yeah. I even like Braden at the amateur. Oh, I was literally walking around the venue carrying a scale in my backpack because it was like every time I went to go look at them because we hit a couple of delays with the amateur O, they they threw like a a one hour intermission right before his class went on stage, a couple other things. It's like, all right, that's cool. Like you don't react to that. You just hop on a scale, look at the visual, make the adjustment to where it was going. And man, it, it landed him on stage at the number that we wanted to be on stage at when we looked at the visuals the day and the two days before. It's like, it just brings a calmness to peaking an athlete that I think is so valuable as a coach, because from a coaching perspective, you have to realize your emotional tact and your emotional awareness of how you're reacting to these situations carries over into how that client feels going on stage and presenting on stage. Right. And if it's like giving you tools to make easier decisions, how hard is it to put a damn scale in your backpack while you're backstage right yeah i i did the same thing with uh with with brady barnes like a classic physique olympian like he was sitting around like 221 222 like going into peak week we made some like adjustments to like stack design as we're feeding him also in deloading like inflammation was dropping and so he ended up being like a low of 219 and then finding finding the look which for him it was like 225 and uh, it was about like two meals in and we're a little over half gallon of fluid. And, uh, right before we like, were walking right over to, to the show, he was ate a meal and 30 minutes later, he was like two twenty six point five. We're like, that was an earlier way. Like, I know you're going to come right down to two twenty five around the time that we normally seen. So on stage, 225 and had, had an excellent look just like we had planned before which from a coaching perspective yeah it's like it's pretty empowering knowing like you have you feel like you have a bit more control um but from an athlete perspective like the confidence there like they know what to expect out of out of their look because they've been seeing it every day long so it's not like man i hope i wake up tomorrow i'm gonna look you know right on it's like no no we we've been doing this every single day like we we know like we have good like estimation that you you likely will be just just please go to sleep and sleep well (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah yeah and i think that's like such an important aspect in client management for that and i do think like it's where potentially you see consistency and in looks increase is having those variables there that don't change a whole lot. Because like you said, those last few days, like weight becomes an increasingly more valuable metric because of how little it's going to change on the day to day at that point. Um, <clears throat> I know some people had brought up like, Hey, with open guys that 
more fluid manipulation might need to take place because they just have large, they're just large individuals and potentially larger gear mount to where there are going to be holding more like in relation to intramuscular, even if conditioned um, outside of like the other divisions. And I, I think yes and no. I think for one, it's, it's individual basis um, for like what, how much, gear they probably truly need to have at that size. But, 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 but again, like if you're not conditioned at some point, that same individual there, they make a case we're doing more water manipulation on, but why? Because they're on more gear to begin with. Well, so whether you address this early on before you get in peak week or on show day, it, it might have the same outcome of getting someone hard. However, very different predictability and risk in doing so addressing like gear earlier to make some earlier water manipulations you're going to be much more accurate in assessing during peak week the later of like just throwing in the diuretic and cutting water hard it's complete roll the dice like you don't know how far that's going to swing someone right and i think that's what we see in a lot of guys is that they just show it flat and just deflated versions of themselves and like when you see those pics of these guys were hard like in peak week and they don't show up hard they just look a little smoother like a lot of time that's it which is stuff that they've never done like their whole preps it's just the first time out which is if you when i state it like that it sounds crazy like you're <laughs> you're completely gambling on on your peak and we we see the other guys right like like you brought up ian like leading up into the show ian is extremely muscular and hard as nails He's hard as nails. So, like, what are we talking about? Like, the, the biggest guys are going to have need more water manipulation? N no. I think you can really, like, nail someone early before peak week to have a lot of the fluid situation managed to still have an, an, uh, a peak week that we're talking about where you have better predictability over it. Mm. Yeah, I think where you could conceptually potentially see that logic falling into place is the percent change being the difference in why people bring that up. Um, and this is kind of how I think about it with peaking bigger athletes versus smaller athletes is the percent change relative to the individual is same as the percent change relative to some of the smaller individuals. It's just when you take that percent of a 275 pound athlete on stage relative to a 215 pound athlete on stage, like a 10% change in the visuals is going to be a much larger change in not only the look, but all of the metrics, the scale, the food that it takes to make that up, the fluid and sodium that it takes to make that up. So like the variance between each jump is a lot larger of a jump, which is where I think potentially some of that thought process of more water manipulation is needed. It's like, no, you just need to stay on top of this athlete more because the change is more drastic and it's not water manipulation that needs to be more. In fact, it's, it's probably you need to find it early and hold that and make sure that they can stay within that realm of that range where it's predictable to jump up to the look that they're, they're the best at. Yeah. I think you, you have a great point there is that, the, the bigger bodybuilder, the, the tricky part is, is that they can shift a lot faster than the smaller bodybuilder because everything is of greater magnitude, right? This big body weight, more water, more food is required. If they're moving around, like 
man, that's a lot of energy put output. So it can it they it can shift them a lot faster to where you have to counter it. So that's when I think it is extremely important in those individuals, just like we talk about, like every day is show day. Like it's just routine, consistent, consistent, consistent. Like you're not going to go like walk into around Vegas, like a couple days out. Right. Um, you're not doing your photo shoots or, uh, staying, hanging out at the gym, like the whole time, just because you're at the Olympia, like it's every day, the same, like extremely routine meals, at the same time. That way you're, you're better to have the predictability and, and, and not have like, Oh man, I had this huge shift. What happened? what you do? Uh, so I think that's a part with, with the bigger athlete is that they do change pretty quick. And that's a good point that you brought up. Yeah. Um, what else was on our docket list to hit today? Yeah. I think a few are like site injections. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a big one, which it's a tough one. Like I, uh, and I won't pick a, pick on any guys because i i've been on stage with something where you're like oh man this isn't going away and i didn't think it would happen <laughs> you didn't think that yeah. last shot was going to go down like that and <laughs> it, it just it, a bad one happens right you go out there um but i think it is a preparation thing too and uh making sure like hey you you cut you you do cut this stuff out early enough and a lot of these I feel like you're going to know too, because some of those did look like there's a, a frequency of injection in in the same spot to where it's becoming problematic with scar tissue. It's like you, you, you got to rotate this, this stuff around and using small and small gauge needles to where you're not causing a lot of localized damage. But you know, some of the swelling stuff it's, it could, it could happen. Um, but I, you know, it just depends on on the athlete like sometimes i have to pull this stuff like seven days out um yeah. sometimes we can we can go a little farther with it but again when you're talking like five days versus seven days it's not going to be a huge deal for for what the actual drug is doing in the system for like muscle retention but what is going to be a big deal is if you have like a big swallow glute going on stage or delt or something like two days could be the difference so if we have to like pro versus con it i would lean into cutting stuff out earlier than seeing how long you can keep it in yeah absolutely i think that i think that's such a valuable just like thought process because even at the amateur oh there was like a, an athlete that and i won't say what class but the this person turned around for their back shot and it was like the first thing you looked at it was like just two big old whelps and it's like this individual was center of the call out until they turned around and then first call outs and then turned around and got moved out. And it's like, I know these judges are not messing around with the visuals being screwed up with this kind of stuff. Right. Um, in fact, it's, it's part of the comments around hottie. Some years is like the, the delts pinning, right. Um, like potentially scar tissue build up. So I think it's a valuable thing that not to just like glaze over because, planning that out and understanding like even with athletes who have trunks that sit in certain spots, like making that last shot or in a place where the trunks potentially hide it. Right. If it's feasible for that, obviously bodybuilding is not a class where that's feasible, but in other classes it is. Um, and it's something to consider where it's like, you're not going to be messing those visuals up. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's, it's one where 
those last shots, I, you know, I've I've done them in lats before. Uh, be, be, that's that's a harder one. Like, you're not going to have many shots where you're exposing the side of your lat. Um, if anything, if they're a little swollen, it's not going to be Fine. a detriment. <laughs> you know, it's not going to be a detriment. But I, I I won't even pin my glutes anymore for bodybuilding because. Yeah, because it, it's just there's so much you need to show detail wise and it's like nearly the center of a physique when when you look at a person you're, you're you kind of look at the center mass uh and like a site like that like man they just jump out at you so bad it, it's just uh with the, how it catches the light it shadows like it, it's just easy to catch and then that's all you stare at it's same thing with gyno you know yeah it, it's same thing it catches the eye because it's it's such a, a thing that's different from everyone else and mm. then that's all you focus on even if you have an incredible physique overall like that's such a distraction so yeah i, I wouldn't even shoot shoot glutes like if you're doing bodybuilding where you got to expose them like hey classic and stuff or men's physique that's a little different because you're not showing your glutes so you know I, that's where you put a lot of those those spots but for for bodybuilding yeah i wouldn't even pin glutes um or quads for that matter. Yeah, quads is another one that you see. It's like that inflammation lasts for a long time. I've seen some people with bad quad shots, like 14 days, still affecting the visuals. Yeah. Um, I think especially for training legs in prep and then also the carb on cardio being done, it, it just makes it a lot harder to, to recover um, and just execute your cardio. Uh, so I, I think that, that weighs into it. And... I know that that's probably covers like some of the site site injection stuff, but there's still like posing. Yeah. To cover in presentation. I think, man, I think, and we can probably hit this quick is I think the individual routine is undervalued. Um, I, that's something with my athletes. I, I literally will go pose by pose and be like, why are you hitting this? This is not something that shows off your physique traits that make you shine over the rest of them. And you're hitting this earlier on in the individual routine. Like if you think about sitting at a judge's table, like first impression, that comment and that thought process of first impressions are so valuable is such a reality because these judges, when they have, especially like 30, 32 athletes, was it in that class? It's like, you're really quickly getting organized into groups of people it's like you need to make a statement within the first two poses that you're hitting in that individual routine and have that pre-planned well in advance. It's like, and I see this at the amateur ranks, you have athletes that will spend hours on a posing routine but not think about their individual routine until the day before. Yeah, and that's like, I agree. Just like you mentioned at Texas, right, with Andrew Walk, just walking, you're like, Wow. <laughs> like that's that's the re reaction you want when you come out on stage. Well, I completely agree with like that's going to be your first impression on your own to really pull those that judge's attention. And I know at this past Olympia, like the they were a little bit shorter um, routines to come out to. And I like he would talk with Brady, like man, I, I won't have time to go through all all poses, right? I hear that too. Like, well, don't rush them. Let's just do less and do them really, really good and hold them. That's so much better than racing through just to do a bunch of poses because then it just becomes a bunch of substandard poses, poses. more exposing transitions. 
just pick your best shots and and nail them and that's all you need to do so and so just like you said like the ones that present your physique the best don't even mess around with doing like something unique that's going to show you know this artistic ability to get into a pose you know when it just doesn't show like what you absolutely need to represent for the division with level of muscularity especially you know for for open um you know uh, agreed on that for sure uh and then even some people I've seen get really focused on the routines and they don't even hit the poses correctly. So (laughs) I think make sure you, you, that's essential, like nailing your pose and practicing that in and out, in and out, in and out earlier on. So you, when you get on stage, it's just, there's no question about what you're going to do out there. I think some people start second guessing themselves and especially when you're in a lineup and you see guys shifting around and you want to start doing it too. Like you, like in a rear double, right? You see someone like leaning back further. You're like, oh, hell no. Then you lean back farther. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you're like, you know, you have like no torso left and you're, uh, you know, it's a shit pose for you. It's like, I never practiced that at all. Like, why, why would I do that? So you can't let others influence how you're posing out there. Um, and, and, and doubt your like confidence at all about like how you you know to execute those those poses right yeah i agree and um that stage presence too is as like in the comparisons rounds the one that i think it it is good to see is like where are these people relative to the line because sometimes like people start creeping up and you can get left behind real quick which is gonna not be favorable in your opinion for uh, the outcomes and the judges will call you guys back. Like, let that happen. That's fine. Like get up there and and battle with them. They'd rather see you be passionate about it and want it and nail your poses and be toe to toe with these guys. And rather than just sit back on the line, cause you think it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Remember my pro debut there, um, with Matt, he's like every, every transition, just take a little step forward. He's like, just keep doing it. Just keep going. And he's like, they'll, they'll call you back. But but all the other guys were doing it too. Like they were way out there. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Just like the, just, just keep moving the line a little bit because um, someone's probably going to be doing it. And absolutely, when you look at across the board, like you usually stand out. But the judges are smart. They're right there on the lot, like right there first yeah. row. They know what's going on. So yeah. um, only only so much can be done around that. But I, I did see a lot of guys just not opening up in their like rear doubles, which was, um, and that was one with Rami, which I was like, oh no, like open up, <laughs> just yeah. like kind of like squeezing the scapulas back a lot. I I get it; it would show like more thickness like throughout your traps, but still, like when lats, it. You, you need you need that taper. Like it it was detrimental for a few guys mm-hmm. that pose like that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I think it yeah it just comes into practicing making sure you have someone that has another set of eyes on you to to verify what you're saying like you know a coach is essential in that process so yeah i think the last one i noticed on that is looking at the screen you see these guys turn around and the first thing they do is like that screen's like up and to the right it's like you see their head turn it's like just hit your pose like you should have practiced this like a hundred times like i get like getting that visual feedback but how detrimental is that to the presentation relative to 
just doing what you know is positionally the right thing to do. <laughs> Man, it, it's so distracting. Because <laughs> uh, uh, at, at my first Olympia, like, um, I absolutely did that. Not, I don't, I don't know about the comparisons, but definitely doing my routine. There's one picture where I'm doing a pose. I'm like looking over at the screen, uh, because you're like, Whoa, like you're not used to seeing yourself on stage. Right. And you see this and you're like, I got to watch this, but it's like, Oh shit. No, I got to do this routine. I'm the one doing it. (laughs) So it, it is, it is extremely distracting, but you're right. Like if you shift over to the, to one side, like to look your whole body might go that way. You might lose your balance out there, especially like when you're a little bit more tense, you know, posing. So for absolutely right. You know, don't look at the screen. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think that that covers everything you wanted to hit today, right? Yeah. Like like those are some of the main ones, like, you know, side injections and posing. Like these are like, (sighs) these are rookie mistakes, right? but they still happy and all the way up in the ranks. Like it, it, it can happen. Um, and you know, with peak week, that stuff's always, always been a mess for so many people and it's preparation, making sure you're absolutely skinned out, managing water before you get into peak week, then peak week from there. It, it's, it's a lot easier to do. Um, there's not guesswork, you know, relatively how the look is going to be. There's less variables to manipulate with with just moving a few around to where you can mm. get on stage and not have a guesswork of, of what you're bringing. So Luke and I could stay on here for hours laying out everything that we've already laid out for how would you do it? How would you do a peak week, Luke? Right? Um, so yeah. that's what uh, we have J3U all for. Exactly. So don't miss it. Make sure you're checking out not only J3 University, but the female module because it is out and live and thriving and having a ton of people and interaction in there. It's really cool to see. Yeah, it's uh, great, guys. So anyway, thank you all for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time.